Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Father, we thank you for this gospel this morning, and I pray that you would uh, bless my words to be um, useful for shining light onto your truth, that we may see it and know it and follow it and follow you more profoundly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, For a good number of years, uh, from my teenage years on, I was actually quite uncomfortable with this image from the gospel about being fishers of men. Um, And I've since diagnosed that the reason I felt uncomfortable about it was because the only fishing I had ever heard of was um, rod and reel, uh, you know, with a hook and a bait, um, which, as Scott knows, I'm not very good at. (laughs) Um, But, um, and what I didn't like about that idea is it has this idea of like, well, I'm luring you in with something, but then, gotcha. I was like, oh, that that doesn't sound um, good good news. That sounds like a trick. It sounds like a trick. Um, and what I have since learned is that in first century fishing on the Sea of Galilee, it was never a hook and bait. It was always cast net fishing, or occasionally, I guess, drag net fishing. But um, you're just putting a net out there and just hoping to catch something. And I think the difference of that image is profound. And I want to actually base most of what I want to say this morning off of just an extended metaphor of cast net fishing, which I spent a good 40 minutes on YouTube learning all about its structures and techniques. Um, but the trouble with, I think, the bait image is, and it's something that the church uh, is tempted by at different junctures, by different kinds of temptation, according to our culture, about like what bait to put on there. Um, some of you know I'm really in my headspace right now in, in kind of Reformation studies, and there was the bait of like, well, if you just give money, you can kind of get out of hell free. It was like the medieval corruption of the gospel. But it's bait. It's like, well, a little bit of money sounds good. I think in our own day, the way our culture has formed, the sort of bait the church is tempted to set um, is entertainment. And this idea of like, well, come for the entertainment and oh, got you with the gospel. Um, and, th- and, I, and I, this has been a trend for 40 years now or so. Um, but the trouble is, and this is something diagnosed even back in the 60s by the great church teacher A.W. Tozer, who said, what you win somebody with is what you win them too. That if they come for entertainment, they're, they're there for entertainment. And then indeed the gospel has the negative vibe of a hook rather than the reason for being there. So I say all this that um, some of you might have wondered like, about the way we do church differently here compared to some other churches. Um, and I want to say it's a feature, not a bug, that there's very little about our Sunday morning that would be appealing to a non-Christian. And that's actually intentional, right? Sunday morning, as the church has historically conceived it, is for Christians who love to hear the word already because they've received it with faith, who love to receive the sacrament, Um, And who love to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, which means to be careful to not worship the Lord in in flesh, with just sort of mere entertainment. And so, um, yeah, it's a feature, not a bug, of the way we um, gather together as Christians in the ancient paths. And additionally, it means that for us, Sunday morning can't be our evangelism plan, right? Um, Sunday morning can be an invitation to someone who is a Christian but hasn't had a church for a while, invite them. But if they already claim Christ, they already have faith and would have, as it were, the sort of the hand to receive what we gather together to feast on here at church. Um, But this can't be our evangelism plan for the non-Christian because why would they want to come here? 
Um, so what is our evangelism, evangelism plan? Uh, zooming in on fishes of men. Um, let me give a sort of uh, five-point description of net casting, ca- cast net fishing. And the first is to get ready. Something I didn't realize. You know there's that strange detail in John's Gospel that when after Christ has risen, they're fishing, and it says Peter put on his clothes and jumped into the water and went to meet the Lord. Have, have you caught that Gospel? So wait, put on his clothes to swim? It's because when you're dealing with all those nets, with all the seaweed and all that stuff, you took off your outer garment and were basically in the first century equivalent of swim trunks um, so that you're, getting, you're not getting all your, this nasty net on your clothes all day or all night. I, I never knew that until today. So you, you, you have to get ready. You have to prepare yourselves by taking something off. You have to get in a boat, obviously. Um, and then you go to a place where they, you think there might be fish. And then you cast the net and you pull it in. And then you see what happens. I think each of these phases, actually, um, are a useful uh, mental picture for the kind of evangelism that Christ calls us to, that's different than hook and bait. So the first is preparation, um, walking through these kind of five phases of uh, cast net fishing. Um, you know, the Lord says when he talks about discipleship, he must um, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's an element of detaching, of letting go of a sort of ordinary outer garment that's ordinary in natural life, but letting go of it and saying, yeah, I'm willing to let go of earthly ambitions, earthly hopes, riches, the very, all the things the Lord repeatedly talks about that snare against faith. So, no, I'm willing to let go of those things. St. Paul would use the wonderful, powerful language in Galatians 6 when he says, and this is a picture of Mature discipleship, right? The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's not just that I don't like it or I've put it at arm's length. It has been crucified to me and I crucified to the world. To consciously step out of the default um, pursuit of perfect comfort and gratuitous leisure. I'm being careful about the adjectives there. Some leisure rest, Sabbath rest, part of Christ's call. The gratuitous leisure. So preparation, getting in a boat, which is a perfect figure for putting your whole trust in something, right? I'm, this thing is going to carry me out on water, which is not my natural environment. And uh, this is a picture, first of all, of Christ, the true ark, on whom the dove lands at his baptism. Um, but this church is really the body of Christ. It's a more than a metaphor. To be in the church is to be in the boat with Christ, a picture we often see in the Gospels, in the boat with Christ being shaped in the midst of the journey into the likeness of our captain. The captain, Christ, sets the tone for the ship. And then you go to a place where there are fish, which means that as Christians we are called to intentionally be around non-Christians at points. In our social spheres, in our work, um, that we can't set as true north just getting away from all the non-Christians, which is a temptation amidst the... um, the lies and just the yuck and the pain of the world sometimes, there's a temptation like, oh, I just want to be around all Christians. A reason, an understandable instinct. But you can't catch fish if there's no fish. We're called to be out and about in the world. The fourth thing of uh, casting the net um, means simply to speak about Jesus. Just to speak about him by name. And the gift that he's given of himself. And it could be in uh, abstract terms, like Christ died for the sins of the world. But I think as we sort of know, as we sort of swap notes in our sort of friendships together about like different products we find, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I heard about this good product over there. 
you know, this vacuum cleaner. Another thing to say, oh no, I got that vacuum cleaner and it works great. Right? Then you're like, hmm, kind of keep my eye out for, for that. Right? Similarly, first person testimony. Yeah, I trust in Christ. He, he has seen me through and I know that I have hope of heaven. When it's in the first person, it's ten times the testimony. And I think one of the things that um, I think is sort of uh, occasionally made evangelism seem uh, impossible in the mind is we have a cultural expectation, perhaps especially here in the Deep South, of like you speak about Jesus and then you sort of like push for a conversion. Okay, so you're going to convert? Do you trust Christ now? And I think the times to push for a conversion are very rare. I think if the, if the person's heart opens up and like, wow, tell me more, which I've, I've yet to have that experience. And then you say, well, I'd love to tell you more. You can put your faith in him right now. Just pray to him as your father and get baptized and enjoy life in him forever. But, even, but only to sort of invite to that conversion on the spot if you discern that the heart is ready for it. Otherwise, it's just simply putting it out there, just speaking of Christ. And one of the things that um, uh, a friend actually shared with me this week that I was surprised about is, you know, Barna, that survey group that does like religious statistics, they just published um, uh, research from October of last year uh, that um, of just a sample cross-section of Americans, some Christians, some not, whatever, but 40, 44% of American adults said yes to they are more open to God today than before the pandemic. That's it. Surprising statistic to me against sort of all the news we hear about just ever-increasing secularization of the public sphere. 44%. So 50-50 shot. They actually want to know more about God. Even more surprising, 74% say, um, I would like to grow more spiritually after this side of the pandemic. And they might not know what they even mean by that. But an appetite, those statistics really were pleasant surprises to me. So I think it also helps to frame my mind they actually very well might want to hear a bit more about Jesus, even just to consider, even if they take a moment to consider Christ, the door begins to open up in the heart, their heart, to receive him. And what I want to encourage you to to think to, if the idea of just speaking about Christ with a non-Christian friend that you might know from work or social circle or however, um, if it sounds like, oh no, it just sounds horrible, <laughs> which it did for me for a number of years, um, the prayer I'd encourage you to pray is to ask that God would actually just increase your love for him. And if you pray that, the Holy Spirit will give you that gift in time. And as you love him more, it becomes easier and easier to speak about him because we speak about what we love. So if this sounds daunting, don't shoot for the target of evangelism first. Shoot for the target of love, loving God, loving Jesus. And as you find that love welling up in your heart, as Christ describes it like water overflowing, um, the ability to speak about Christ will then come of its own accord. Lastly, the fifth phase of uh, cast net fishing is pulling the net in. And this corresponds to prayer. That having just spoken about Christ, and then pray for that person. Lord, let that seed kind of work its way in to their heart, to take a root. Intercessory prayer. We actually keep a list here at morning and evening prayer. It's a private list. I mean, it's not private, private, but like where we pray for those people that we know who we know have wandered away from the Lord by degrees or have never known Christ, and we pray for them by name every morning prayer. Because we know that only God's going to change their hearts. You and I can't make Christians out of anybody. The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can. And so praying, that's that, I think that's the figures to pulling the net in. 
And I imagine, I've never done casting fishing, but I imagine there's many times you pull it in and you catch nothing. In fact, I don't just imagine. St. Peter says that in the gospel, right? We fished all night and caught nothing. How disappointing, pulling it in. Ah, and I, I feel like evangelism can feel like that sometimes. You speak about Christ. You seek to model the way of Christ with your actions. You're praying for the lost. Still no fish. <laughs> but only God puts fish in the net. I think that's part of the reason we have those miracles recorded in the Gospels. Jesus is like, oh, here we go. Miraculous catch of fish. But the work that we do, we can't cram someone into the net. The fish has to come. Um, we don't bait with a hook. We just pull the net in. We just keep praying. Day after day. Um, most of us actually have the name of the list, the name list memorized. Praying, pulling in the net. It's God's job to bring the fish into the boat. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen.